Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. Yes, it is just after 7.30 for anyone who's actually awake and listening. Daylight saving, of course, came in, uh, I think, at 2am officially this morning. So uh, you do need to turn your clocks forward if you haven't done so, and which you probably haven't because you probably are all asleep except for <laughs> us in the studio. <laughs> but, uh, but yes, we're, we're here, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready for the gardening show. As I said, my name's Pam Vardy. First up, of course, uh, we have to say good morning to Stephen Ryan from Dixoni Rare Plants. Morning, Stephen. Good morning, Pam, and good morning, everybody out there that is actually awake. Uh, it's a bit of a culture shock. I was just getting used to driving down in the light, and then suddenly I'm getting up in the dark again. But anyhow, it won't be long. It won't be, be long. When we get up to come down during daylight saving hours, so it won't be that long. Exactly. Uh, in fact, it was starting to lighten up about halfway down this morning, so it's not too bad. Yep, yep. No, all's well. And, of course, it really feels like spring at the moment. Well, it does it's, it ever. Oh, it's just hit with a vengeance. Yeah. Maybe too much of an vengeance, I do you know. think? The uh, temperature yesterday. And they're talking Ooh. about 31 and 32 over Monday, Tuesday. I know. And that does not bode well for my tulips. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> or for Tesla's tulips or anybody else's tulips, yes. for that matter. Yes. Yeah, yeah, those early spring bulbs really hate it if it gets warm too quickly. They just go over so fast. But anyhow, we can't do anything about the weather. I was actually going to plant out a whole lot of things in my veggie garden this Mm. weekend. I saw what the temperature was going to do and I thought... I'm going to wait till Tuesday. I think that's very wise because... Because there might even be a little bit of rain to help water them in. And yeah. I, you can't just put something straight out into this heat, particularly no, if it's degrees. a ceiling. Yeah. yeah. No. So, um, yes. Oh, well. <laughs> well. When I get a few minutes, I'm going to have to check out the veggie garden at home, actually. I noticed last night when I was rushing in to rush out again to something I was doing last night... Um, there was a lot of flaggy-looking vegetables in the garden too, so you know the ground is drying. Yes, yeah. really, it is, yeah. So, and of course, vegetables—it's not a good idea to check them and and t- withhold water because they just don't grow well, and you end up with woody old vegetables. So, I'll probably have to get out and water the veggie garden when yes, I get home. Yes, well, tonight. I actually I actually watered mine yesterday. Mm. Yes, so um, it's it's all started. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a full tank at the moment. I'm just wondering how long it's going to last if this weather continues. Though. Well, that's the thing. If you're relying on tank water, yes. Um, I mean, we didn't get full winter rains. I mean, we got good September rains, but we really didn't uh, get full rain. So I don't know. Yep. Oh well, us gardeners always have to face these things, don't we? Of course we do. We'll survive. <laughs> yeah. Good morning, Graham Morrison. Good. Good morning, Pam. Yes, it's uh, you know the the other bad thing they're starting to talk about El Nino rearing its ugly head again, sort of thing, as though we could be in for some drought drought weather down the track. That's right. So that, that that's not not, not not good news, particularly for us gardeners, I suppose. But, yep. Yeah, but uh, no, it's uh, you know you've got to be. Thankful for some warmth, I suppose, after our the, the coldest winter for 26 years. I think they had the least sun for 40 years sort of thing. So it was a pretty dismal sort of a, a, a winter. And it's just lovely to see things sprouting out and the whole thing's off and running, isn't it? I've been out there, Pam, uh, uh, what do, I, what, do I, what do I say? Grazing on my veg, veg, vegetables and fruit oh, trees. Oh, good on so you! 
of uh, I've had an avocado. I've been able to pick pick those this uh, uh, just just lately. Tangellos there I've had. Even a custard apple. Possums left me a couple, a couple of custard apples. <laughs> right, <laughs> you're doing well. Yeah, yes. Possums don't often leave anything behind, unfortunately. <laughs> broad, broad beans. I've into those already. Uh, yeah, mine yeah, haven't yeah. started potting. Yeah, I was actually yeah. going to mention that this oh, morning. Yeah, They're right. flowering the heads off, and there's not mm. one pod yet. And okay. I was wondering whether that sort of really dingy weather yeah, we've been having has been keeping yeah, the pollinators sure. away or something. Yeah, yeah. No probably, sign of a pot on my broad Probably beans. in a fairly warm warm, warm corner, but mm. uh, they're quite quite high and my wife actually only found them yesterday and was into them and she was in, enjoy, enjoying opening the pods. And I've got some peas there as well. It's lovely to open fresh pea, you know. Just oh, to, yes. So, 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 so sweet. Herbs, have been, I nibble on those as well. But, uh, yeah, And then... In this retirement, Stephen, it's a bit, it's a bit different. I, then after I've done a bit of work, I sit on my log and sort of in, 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 you know, just admire the whole scene. <laughs> oh, look, don't, Graham. That's <laughs> not fair. So, the rest so, of us are running around. We like don't have hands. time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The seats in my garden are never going to get worn out the way I'm going. <laughs> no, I can imagine. You've been such a full program. I hear about that. Yeah. But, but you make a very good point, Graham, because we really should all try and stop and just yeah. actually look yeah. at our gardens and yeah. sit in our. Our gardens, we really should. Yes, the old saying about stop and smell the roses is very apropos to gardeners because we should. Yeah, I mean, we do all this hard manual labour in the garden and then we don't enjoy it. Yes, well, with your backside in the air and your face at the ground is not the best way to enjoy your garden, is it really? We can't help ourselves. Talking about perfume of the roses, I bought a bit of that's orange blossom in Yes, beautiful. It didn't have many fruit. Last year, so it's got an abundance of flowers this year, and it's really a delight to walk past it and smell the orange blossom. Mm. It's really sweet, isn't it? You know, oh, it's, it's really gorgeous. Lovely, the smell lovely, of lovely. citrus blossom is just something special. Lovely. From the look of that, you might actually be having to thin out your fruit, Graham. I'm sure I will have to. That blossom is incredible. It is. I actually picked some oranges this year at home. Right. And... Years ago, somebody sold me a blood orange, and then somebody else said to me, oh, well, that was pointless because you won't get the colour in a blood orange yeah. in your cold climate. Yeah. Well, I have to say it's still a – the judgment's still out because I picked some oranges the other day off my blood orange, yeah. and some of them were just straight oranges inside, but I did find two or three that had streaks yeah. of red through them. Yeah, well, there you go. So <laughs> who knows? Yeah, oh, well. It, it might develop more and more as it goes on. Yeah, I think but with blood, maybe. Blood, orange, blood orange trees at home, the, the – where they face the sunshine, the north and the west, they t- tend to be a, a bit more red oh, inside yeah. than on the on the mm. on the shady side. Well, I, I didn't. I have to say, take note of where I picked these uh, off the tree, uh, okay. but there were two or three of them that actually had the the staining of red through the fruit, which I was quite excited by. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's great, yeah, especially good, at Macedon, where we really shouldn't be growing much citrus anyway. So much so. Yeah, excellent. Okay, I'm going to get straight into some of the announcements. There's a few things on today. If people haven't made up their mind what they're doing for the day. Um, Firstly, today is the second day of um, uh, five open gardens up in the Yarra Valley uh, area. They are open for the Upper Yarra Valley Garden Club. And uh, one of these gardens is our very good 
uh, friend Virginia Haywood's garden, which is at 50 Linwood Road in Seville. She's now, in the age this morning. There's a she? picture of Virginia in the age. I grabbed the age before I came into the station. Ah. While I was sitting having a coffee, I was flicking through and I thought, there's a face I know. <laughs> so if anybody wants to know what Virginia looks like. <laughs> I must go and have a look before yeah. I go home. Yes, <laughs> your opportunity is now. Okay, okay. Well, um, as I say, if you want to uh, go to the first one, which is Virginia's Garden, 50 Linwood Road in Seville. She can give you the address of all the others, or I do have a phone number for more information, which is 59662828. That's 59662828. Now, also being the first Sunday in the month, Villa Alba is open again. Villa Alba, of course, is at 44 Walmer Street in Kew. Melway's reference there, 44H6. Uh, both the Historic House and the RJ Hamer Heritage Garden is open. Uh, starting at 1 o'clock, finishing at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Admission is $10, concession of $8. Children are free and there's an afternoon tea available with a $3 donation. Now also on today, and they always send me this notice very late, the Victorian Orchid Club have got their show on. It's was running yesterday, but it's still on today. Um, now, it's at Acacia and Wattle Rooms at the Repat Hospital in Heidelberg. You enter through Gate 8 in Waterdale Road and you follow the signs for free parking. Now, it's open 9 o'clock this morning, running through to 4 o'clock. Entry to the show is $3.00. Uh, there'll be loads of uh, orchids on display and for sale with members in attendance to offer advice. Uh, and, of course, there'll be light refreshments available as well. So, uh, again, enter through Gate 8 in Waterdale Road in Heidelberg for that one up at the Repat Hospital. Okay, now uh, a couple of uh, open gardens with Open Gardens Victoria. Um, as you know, this uh, they had their first... Uh, Inaugural launch and open garden last weekend. Today, um, also as part of the City of Whittlesea's Cultural Heritage Program, there is another historic garden open today. Now, uh, this is um, a beautiful old uh, garden. Um, It's actually part of a very um, early German community. It's called Zebel's Farmhouse Garden. Um, I actually went out there yesterday to have a quick look. Um, it's hidden in the middle of Laylor. I had no idea there was such a, an early, uh, strong German pioneering community out there. So, um, And there's a beautiful cottage garden uh, in association with the, uh, the house and the, the farm buildings. All of them are open uh, for you to have a wander through. Uh, entry is simply a gold coin donation, mm. which is fantastic. And uh, they've got loads and loads of history of the whole community. You can also wander through the um, the old uh, graveyard there. There's also um, an old uh, Lutheran church there, all, all on the same site. And, in fact, there's also a heritage walk you can do just around the block where you can have a look at about three or four other early oh, German yeah. settler houses. So um, it's, a, it's very well worthwhile going to. Now, it's open from 10 o'clock through to 4.30. As I mentioned, entry is simply a gold coin donation. Children under 18 are free. 
And the address is German Lane in Laylor. Now, you'll have to look that up. If you, uh, if you get into German Lane, you'll find there's, there's free parking there. You'll be directed into the parking, uh, which is on a, an adjacent uh, paddock next to the whole complex. Uh, so that's German Lane in Laylor, um, open today uh, and definitely well worthwhile going and having a look at and finding out a little bit about the... Um, the early settlers that came out, 10 o'clock this morning, opening, running through until 4.30 this afternoon. Now, um, next weekend, uh, Open Gardens Victoria have got their next open happening. And if I can just find my information on it, this garden is called Astolat. And Astolat is at 6.30 Riversdale Road in Camberwell. Um, I've actually been out there. I think it was open for the... Old um, Open Gardens mm. Australia. Yeah, it has been. Yes, yeah. a, a few times. Uh, beautiful garden, absolutely gorgeous with some wonderful old trees. Definitely well worth a look. That's opening next weekend, 10 o'clock through till 4.30 on both Saturday and Sunday. Uh, entry price is $10, children under 18 free, students are $5.00. Um, and there will be also happening in the grounds, there'll be Scotchman's Hill wine tastings from 11am through to 4pm and there'll be opera performances by students from the Melba Opera Trust at 2 o'clock each day, which would be just gorgeous. Mm, lovely. You've had opera in your garden, mm, yes, Stephen, haven't fact, you? Yes, in fact, we've had the Melba, it was the Melba group. It was the Melba that, yeah, group. Yeah, came through uh, and did a, an opera soiree in our garden. It was fantastic. Oh, it's just, a garden is the perfect setting to, to have it a is. listen to some opera. And, and I mean, these, these young opera singers are all professional opera singers, but they're just finishing off their training before they go out and become a, you know, and do it as a, a living, hopefully. Yes. So, so we're not talking about beginner singers. They're all oh, no. really, really seriously Ta- good singers. Talented, yeah. 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 So uh, that's happening next weekend, as I said, and um, Open Gardens Victoria um, have been very generous. Uh, again, they've provided us with one free double pass. Now, the first person who rings in on nine four one nine zero one double five can have that free double pass for next weekend to go and have a look at the gardens of Astolat uh, there in Riversdale Road in Camberwell and have a listen to some opera and have generally have a wonderful mm, day. So fabulous. that number again, mm. if you'd like to get your hands on mm. one free double pass, we only have the one, 94190155. Okay, just uh, two more that I really should mention. Uh, firstly, uh, down at... Um, Lardner Park, uh, which is via Warrigal, uh, the Gippsland uh, Boar Boar Home Garden and Home Expo is on again. Now, this is the 15th annual one. It's run by the Druin Lions Club and uh, it's on 10th and 11th of October next week end, 9 o'clock through to 4 o'clock in the afternoon. There's going to be uh, 40 specialists and general nurseries there on display. As well as that, there'll be um, an orchid display. There'll be landscaping, permaculture, tanks, gardening tools and machinery, shade and hothouses. I know our good friend Derek is going to be Mm -hmm. out there. Spas and pools, statues, garden features, all sorts of things happening down there. And uh, lots of demonstrations and talks by experts throughout the day. Entry for that is adults $10, children under 16 free. It's held in three huge 
pavilions and surrounds. Uh, there'll be children's activities, including free potting of a plant, extensive catering and uh, convenient parking. No dogs allowed. And all proceeds uh, will be going to the Druin Lions Club and they'll be donating all of that back to the community. So that's uh, next weekend down at Lardner Park, which is in uh, Gippsland via Warrigal. Okay, well, um, Stephen, we should really talk Mm. about the big Horticultural and Gardening Festival. Yeah, I think that's really important that people are aware of that. And that, of course, is this next coming weekend as well, from Friday through Sunday. Uh, And it's being held at the showgrounds, Mm -hmm. so easy to get to via public transport, good parking facilities there, all that sort of stuff. And uh, I don't know how many stalls and things are involved, but um, there's going to be a a huge range of um, specialist nurseries, um, societies and organisations will also be there. I know Garden Plants Conservation Association has taken up a stall. Uh, You've taken up a stall? I've taken up a stall, yes, Dixonia Red First time ever. (laughs) And I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with this because... I've not only taken up a store, but I'm actually going to be emceeing the weekend. Mm. So this this could be interesting. I've been pulling in all my friends and relatives <laughs> and things to help me on my stall because I'll so. have to keep running backwards and forwards you between will. the two. Uh, Peter Cundall will be opening it on Friday morning, yes. and he's going to be doing vegetable workshops and things. And there was a really good article about him in The Age, I think sometime this last week. He's doing a lot of work with um, therapy for war veterans, teaching them to garden okay. to get over the you know, traumas of war and so forth. So he's been working on that, and that will be something that will be discussed and, and found out about whilst we're mm-hmm. there for those three days. Um, uh, Tim Entwistle will be there doing talks. Um, uh, Angus Stewart's coming down from Sydney. Costa Georgiedis will be there doing some um, workshops with vegetables and Our stuff. Our good friend Simon Rickard will be Simon's there. He's running there. some workshops. Yeah, and yeah, he's a fantastic speaker. So everybody will enjoy Simon. So there's a whole range of um, speakers throughout. There'll be a lot of people also talking about things like um, uh, garden to table things and recipes. So there'll be a, a, a distinct foodie thing going on as well. Um, uh, so there'll be talks about that. And there'll also be people doing demos and things on, you know, different cooking demonstrations and things, which are always popular with people. Uh, so there'll be oodles to do. Mm. Um, and it runs over the three days. Um, I haven't got any of the paperwork in front of me. I didn't bring anything with me. I'm sorry. Um, <coughs> but um, it would be... Ah, there's some of it there. Um, so if anybody's interested in coming along, please do. Um uh, have we got ah yes twenty five dollars entry twenty dollars concession under sixteen free with adults a family ticket is available for forty dollars for two adults and two children's two children's two children <laughs> okay. and three day tickets for thirty dollars for adults and twenty five for groups and concessions so um and it's free entry for anybody who's got a vet uh, who's a vet. Uh, as in a which is veteran, fantastic, you know. So yes, uh, so gold card holders uh, free, free entry. entry. So um, so it's it's going to be a great few days, and I'm really hoping that this becomes a major calendar event um, for Victoria for spring because uh, we've got. Melbourne International Flower Show in the autumn, which everybody knows about and is fantastic. But I've always felt there's been a gap in the spring where we could have a really major event. Yeah. Mm. And so, so this could be it. It's the popular time of the year, isn't it, sort of thing to think about gardens. Yeah, and exactly. They've hibernated yeah. through winter and, and everyone's dying yeah. to get and out And you can probably guns. see spring bulbs in spring instead of seeing them in autumn. <laughs> you know, so, so, you know, there's, there's all that side of it. And, and I think it's... 
certainly from the educational side of it, I think this particular event has made quite an emphasis on that. So there'll be oodles of displays, talks, uh, demos, workshops, mm. all that sort of thing going on the whole time. Yes. Um, so there will be a, a serious emphasis on imparting knowledge, which I think is really important. Oh, look, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to yeah, it. I, I think, think it's be going to be fantastic. Yeah. And, and yeah, as you said, this is the first time that Melbourne's had a serious spring yeah. show I mean, in a long a time. Of we've tried a couple of yeah, times. And but I don't know what went wrong because we had the one out at Caulfield for two or That's three right. years that yes. seemed to be going quite well initially, so I don't know what happened there. Yep. Um, but, yes, hopefully this one will get going. The organisers seem to be really enthusiastic people. I I mean, to get me to take up a stool will take some enthusiasm, so there you go. <laughs> okay. so, so, yeah, so it should be really good. So let's oh. hope everybody supports it and comes out to the showgrounds for the horticultural and gardening Yes, yeah, they've got the time of the day they, they, they open and shut, Pam. Uh, oh, so I didn't look at that. It's, it's there somewhere. Yeah. But it will be here somewhere. Yeah. Yes, I'll just find that in a moment, Graham. No worries. Um, but I do know, I know, do know our good friends... Um, Graham and Diana Sargent have also got a yeah, stall there, so if you want to go and talk again. to them yeah, about roses. Yes, just trying to see a time. Yeah, there's an awful lot of information on those sheets. Yes, I'm trying to flip my way through it, but um, from memory it's it's 10 a.m. Yeah, I've got a few. I'm pretty sure yeah, it's 10 a.m. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's yeah, 10 yeah, as well, so, yes. uh, and it'll yeah, go through to 4.30 or 5. Yeah, so, sure, yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you arrive after 10, you'll be fine. <laughs> Yes. Even if it opened in a half an hour earlier. <laughs> uh, but it'll be there somewhere. If we find it, we can mention it in passing exactly. as we go along, I guess. Yes. Sure, 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 sure. Okay, but that, yes, yeah. that should be great fun. Yeah. And well, I think we'll all be down there in some form or yeah. another. So, um, yes, really looking forward to it. It's going to be wonderful. Pam, talking about getting get, getting out this week, I got up to the, the Dandenongs and uh, the Emerald Mon- Monbok Road and uh, went into see uh, Jer- Jeremy Francis' oh, yes. cl- cl- Cloud Hill. And uh, and then I went to the uh, National Rhododendron ga- Gardens. And, oh right! And, uh, golly, it's a good time of the year to get up there. Oh, and it would be. Oh, yeah. be a bit, little, little bit like your mass, mass and, Yeah, uh, yeah. Wear your uh, sunglasses. Uh, there'll be lots of colour. Uh, <laughs> 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 yes, yeah, so if the azalea bowls in flower up at the Rhododendron Gardens, you definitely needed sunglasses for oh, that. Yes. It's outrageous. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the, the drifts of these. Beautiful azaleas, a couple of uh, weeping maples in. Uh, Cloud Hills. Uh, oh, yes, those just huge old there. ones. They're huge old ones. We're part of the old Woolwich. Uh, They're yes. supposed to be a pair of the oldest weeping maples possibly yeah. in Australia. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, they were imported just, direct just, from Japan, yeah. those trees apparently. Just, just come, mm. come out of their dormancy. They look really, really lovely. Yeah. But uh, and uh, you take your hats off to it's. Uh, to uh, Cl- Cl- Cloud Hill and of course Dig- Diggers Club's in there now and their their range of I always look look at they've got sort of fr- fruit trees for sale and just in t- tubes, uh, uh, you know like dwarf apples and a range of dwarf dwarf plant plants and at, at reasonable costs I thought you know if people haven't got a lot of money to splash around they they can they start start off on, on small they grafted small plants yeah uh, they really well done and. Uh, Good big crowds up there, of course, particularly in the uh, 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 National Rhododendron Garden. And there was people ev- everywhere enjoying it all. Just underneath the, some of the trees there, one of the things that stood out in my mind was the uh, hellebores. Just, oh, you know, yes. just big patches of them. And you've got, they've, they've done, I, I, well, there's friends of that uh, garden up there that they do it, but you, you've got to compliment them for their 
labelling. Mm. You know, they've got uh, you know they've put a whole lot of variety rowdies out sort of thing, and everyone's got got their specific name, name, yeah. name, name on. <coughs> so important and, uh, if people are going to <coughs> an institute like that. <coughs> oh, excuse me, sure. uh, that they can see what things yeah, are. Yeah, too right. You know, you yeah, take that information yeah, away, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's that, really, that's right. really sure. good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll have one of those in my garden. And what is it sort of thing? Yeah. You know, and that, that's so, so so important. But uh, certainly. Uh, down by the lake, uh, and you get the reflection of uh, uh, rhododendrons uh, on the on the banks, sort of thing. It was re- 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 really beautiful. You recommend people through the week if they want to go up and have a look at that. That's uh, it's spectacular, and that they would certainly enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Then you can go for an afternoon tea or something up in the Dandenongs. Yeah, true, true. Um, I must uh, say oh. that that uh, that free double pass has definitely yeah. gone, and. Uh, Roger has rung in to say that uh, it opens at 10 a.m. That's yeah, what I that's thought. that's what we thought. And, yeah. and we should, we should um, spell out, Stephen, that it isn't just Saturday and Sunday, but it's open oh, on the Friday. Friday. Yes, it's so Friday. So it's, it's a three-day yeah. weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. So for people who are tied up with other things on weekends, you can go on Friday. Oh, yeah. And, in fact, Friday should be a really good time for the sort of real plant freaks to be out there because they'll have a chance to pick up the, First the best ones, stuff. First ones, rush in, get the <laughs> yeah, best. Yeah, the ones that, that, that one and only plant that's in there and you know it's there, you don't know what it is, but you have to be there first to get it, those sort of people. They Absolutely. need to be there right on time. Yeah. <laughs> um, that brings me to rather a sad announcement, oh, Stephen. Yes. Yes. Mm. Um, for long-time listeners of The Gardening Show, many people will know that um, – for many years, uh, the gardening show was headed up by Alan Gilbert. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, Alan's been battling with illness for a few years now, and unfortunately, he passed away on Friday. Mm. Um, now, he he did so much for this gardening show. Oh, he really did. Did he ever? Um, the other thing, of course, is that, that Alan founded the, uh, the Garden Advisory Service there down at Burnley. And that ran for many years and was a fantastic service because people could just phone up the advisory service, ask all sorts of gardening questions and get fantastic advice. It's a dreadfully missed thing, actually. It's it sad is. that it's not there now because it's so much harder to access information. And Alan and his little group were truly fabulous to home gardeners being able to have that sort of service going. So Absolutely. Yes, he, he did a lot in his time. He certainly did. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, he's left a legacy of many books, mm-hmm. um, some fantastic books on all sorts of different, uh, different plant yeah. groups, um, you know, tomatoes, citrus, a Beautiful book on Espalia. Nuts. Nuts, yes. Lots and lots Lots of books. Lots and lots of books. And, of course, Alan's to blame for me being here. I mean, he invited me on as a guest many, many years ago. Mm. Um, And I think it was after my first appearance he said, oh, I think you probably should become regular. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so I've been doing it ever since. And I still don't to this day remember when it was. So I don't know how long I've been doing this program, but it was because of Alan that I started here because he was running the program and he was looking for guests and things to come in. Yes, yes. And I don't know, we met each other at something or another, and he said, well, why don't you come on radio with me? Mm. So, yes, yeah, so I did. So I've been tootling down to 3CR ever since. <laughs> so and, of course, go. while he was in charge of the program, I ended up becoming involved um, yeah. because he didn't have anyone to operate the panels. Mm. Um, and, of course, then when he decided to relocate down to Brunley Island in Tasmania, um, he asked me to take over the program. So... Mm. Um, I'm totally indebted to him for, well, for many things. Well, you call it indebted? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got, you got the he job gave me right. a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, that's right, exactly, yes. But, yes, he'll be, he'll be missed. He uh, will be very sorely missed. So, uh, yes, for any of those listeners who 
as I say, have been listening for a while. I'm sure they will all remember Alan uh, with great fondness. Um, he's uh, been a wonderful a wonderful um, spokesperson for, for gardening yeah. over many, many, many years. So, yeah. um, yes. Oh, dear. <sighs> exactly. Mm. But uh, it is high time we invited our listeners to join us. If you have a gardening question that you'd uh, like to ask this morning or if you have any comments to make, we'd love to hear from you. We have Stephen Ryan from Dixoni Rare Plants and we also have Graham Morrison, of course, who's our fruit tree guru in the studio. <laughs> so we'd love to hear from you. The number is 94190155 or... On this morning, uh, out on the outside line, we have Anne. If you'd like to have a chat to Anne, 94198377. Graham, you showed us a photo of your amazing yeah, harvest right. that you're about to uh, to imbibe yeah. in. Well, that, that is a, a babaco, yes. pam, pam, yeah. Closely related to, well, they call it the the, uh, the, the cold climate to pawpaw. Certainly the fruit looked like a pawpaw, but this uh, little plant I've got... doesn't taste it, quite it. like a pawpaw. No, no it doesn't. It's, it's, it's a completely different flavour. I was a bit yeah. surprised when I tasted yeah. my first one. Yes. What do they say? Citrusy uh, melon, melon taste sort of thing. Yeah. Not, not a strong flavour at no. all. You know, no. Sort of, no, you wouldn't want to sit down to bowls no. of it. No, that, that's <laughs> right. No, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but anyway, my little tree is only... Only about a, a metre tall, and I guess he's got about 20, 20 fruit on there. And they're quite large fruit. I showed you the photo, photo, yes, photo there. They pa- are pa- large pa- fruit. Pa- 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 good, good cropping yeah, for yeah. a small space, isn't yeah, it? Yes, that's it. Yes, yeah. And uh, as it, uh, we had a one dinger frost, I was away. Uh, uh, Travelling through the winter time, and my cold climate banana sort of suffered. Uh, you know, it's a cold climate banana, but not as cold as it got. You know, we, we, should we, see we, what mine looked like after yeah, the winter. Okay. <laughs> I had a crack at one last year too, and I was I had it in a big pot, and I wasn't quick enough to put it in underneath yeah, the shelter. Right. So I, I don't know that it'll come back. I, I've, I've oh. left it there in hope because I've got a couple of the non-fruiting Abyssinian bananas in the garden, oh, really? yeah. and they yeah. all their leaves die and hang down on the trunk when it's yeah. uh, when the frost hits, yeah. but they shoot back through it all again. Yeah, all so I, I haven't discarded my cold climate banana, but I don't hold out great hope. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my one's putting on a bit of growth there now. It's, oh, it's, good. It's, it's, okay. It's, it's camera. And t- three little suckers at the ba- base so you know, got a little bit of green on them as well. So, But the babaco, on the other hand, he, he, just a little bit of damage on the, on, on the yeah. top, but I was surprised it got, got through relatively well. I've got a uh, t- uh, the tree, tree tomato there, and that got a little bit of a singe, yeah. but he, 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 he got through okay as well. Got a bit of height in that one, so it seems to make a difference. When well, it does. When they get up a bit, doesn't it, Graham? They get above yeah, frost. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although, having said that, I had some pretty tall stuff at home knocked by frost this year because we had some corkers. Yeah. Uh, if anything, it was as bad as last year because yeah. that was – that was like going back to my childhood again last year because yeah, our winters had been getting milder and milder yeah, and milder. Yeah, yeah, and sure. so last year, a lot of people who hadn't been gardening in our area for ter- terribly long were all going, oh, I can't believe the bad winter we've had. And I say, but this is what I remember. Yeah, I remember it's children that we used to get these winters. Well, you'd go to school in winter and there would be ice. You'd be cracking ice in the puddles, you know. Of course you would. Yes. So, yeah, so it is, or the last two winters have been a little more like a classical, exactly. what I would call winter yeah, 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 yes. in yeah, southern yeah, Australia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it does then sort of, 
weed out some of the things you were getting a little bit smug about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, Graham, there's, there's fruit tr- some fruit trees that really need that, oh, yeah, that winter that, chill, so, isn't so, it? So, so much so, Pam. Yes, I'll be interested to see how the, um, uh, the cold climate fruit trees at home respond this year because we had – when the pl- particularly the plums and the apricots were in flower, we had some really quite nice mild weather for a week or so yeah, there. And of, so I've got mm, quite mm, great hopes that we might, in fact, get a decent crop of some of those fruits yeah, this okay, year because yeah. mm. uh, they certainly flowered well. Get, get mm. the bees and the insects working on good days. It makes mm. a big difference, that's yes. for sure. Yeah. 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 And it wasn't too windy. No, no, okay. Because no, normally no, when right, my plums right. come into mm. flower, the wind picks up. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, don't you they, hate that? Yeah, well, this year they held their blossoms for a long time, so I'm hoping that they got pollinated. <laughs> Time will tell over the next week or two, I'll be able to tell. Time certainly will. Well, we have to go to uh, Judy Hopkins, who we've got online. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, everyone. Um, thanks for talking to us this morning. Because, And, of course, there's a very good reason why we are talking to you, because today is actually the launch of Gardevalia for 2015. Yes, yes, Pam, we're very excited about today. Gardevalia takes place throughout the month of October in the Borboshire or West Gippsland. And, uh, yes, we're launching today at Lilico Glass. And uh, a friend of 3CR's, uh, Prue Metcalf, is uh, going to launch the festival. Wonderful. Now, again, you've got a whole month of not only open gardens but also of the most amazing workshops. I mean, this. I don't know how you manage to get your program together each year, and it's so full. Yes, it is. (laughs) And I'm not a very crafty person, but uh, just looking through what's available, they're just so inventive and so inspiring. Um, Metal posies and ribbon um, roses and all sorts of things in between. It's, It's... you know, if you're into wonderful new uh, craft workshops and, and art, then please get the program and have a look through. I'm sure there'll be something for you. Now, how can people get hold of a program? Because really, there's no you do point need, in us going through it on air. You do need a program, it's, it's <laughs> essential. <laughs> now, I'll give you a website, um, but also, too, if people want to find me, I'll make sure they get a program. Okay. The website, if you've got your pen, is www.gardevalia, and that's spelled G-A-R-D-I-V-A-L-I-A dot com dot A-U. It's all on there. But uh, you can also phone me at 5623-4944. And it's a private number, but don't be put off by that because gardeners are allowed to use it. <laughs> so just uh, phone me. And if I'm not around, just leave a message, leave your address, and I'll make sure you get a booklet. But Pam, if I might also say, we have um, over 25 garden openings from the 15th of October through to uh, the um around about the 23rd or something like that. Those two weekends inclusive. And there's a diary in the program. And please look at the diary because the gardens aren't open for those nine days inclusive. Some of them are really only open for one day or Mm. two days. So we don't want you to be disappointed to turn up and the garden not to be open. So please check the diary. But there are big gardens and small gardens and... 
town gardens and country gardens and everything in between. It, it's just a, a wonderful display of everything horticultural. Absolutely. It's it's wonderful. And I noticed, um, well, just, just quickly flipping through, um, our good friends at Country Farm Perennials, for instance, Marilyn yes. has got her... Um, her garden open, um, Jindavik um, yeah. are opening. Um, uh, there's a lot. But there's also, you mentioned the craft workshops. We should also mention that there's some, some very practical um, gardening workshops as well. There's organic veggie gardening and compost making oh, demonstrations. Right. Yes. Um, there's all sorts of things. There's, uh, you can meet the garden fairy and plant the library veggie patch. Kids would love that. <laughs> That's right. There's, there's something for all ages. And, Absolutely. Uh, yes, whatever problem you have, I'm sure the gardener there will help you solve it. Now, yeah. I really think, I mean, if, if, if listeners are, are serious and they've got time to do it, I really think that uh, the people should actually go down to the area and stay overnight yeah. because you could really make a fantastic weekend of it. You could. That's a great idea, Pam. You're full of good ideas. Uh. <laughs> Um, yes, and it's such a pretty part of the world to visit. A lot of people travel through West Gippsland east-west on the freeway, but, you know, the great beauty is north and south mm. through to Nayuk, where um, Merrill and David are, and south into the hills south of Yarragon and Trafalgar. There's a beautiful garden in there, Bingara. It's a sustainable garden, and the fruit trees and the, and the vegetable patches are, are just wonderful at Bingara, as well as the shrubs and flowers. So there's, um, there's great beauty all around, and the countryside is, is just looking superb at the moment. Fantastic. And as I mentioned also, next weekend uh, is the Gippsland Garden and Home Expo, so people could yes. incorporate that into their trip down there if they wanted to. They could, and tickets are available for Gardevalia at the expo, but you can get them at all the gardens as well. Excellent. Um, but jump on the website and, and get a feel for it and just see what suits you and uh, and I'm sure you'll enjoy Wiskipsan and Gardevalia. We can guarantee it. Absolutely. As I say, uh, every year you amaze me with, with the program you manage to bring out and uh, if people haven't ever got round to doing it, I really think this year, because we obviously we're having such a wonderful spring so far, people should really uh, bother to make the trip and whether it be a day trip, whether it be over a weekend, I think you'll find some amazing things to go and see and, and listen to and, and have a look at. Um, so well done to you and, and the committee to organise it yet again. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pam. And thanks for 3CR. Thanks, Roger and Gwen and Stephen. It's just the most wonderful gardening program. You um, do a great service to we gardeners. It's, it's simply fantastic. I sing your praises everywhere. Oh, thank you, uh, we, we can form our own mutual appreciation society, <laughs> I think. <laughs> Okay, well, all the very best with the, with the whole of October and, and with the running of the program, Judy. Thank you, Pam. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Oh, it sounds like a really great time to go to Gippsland. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. Yes, certainly is. We've got, um, goodness me, we've got our good friend uh, Val in Vermont online. Good morning, Val. Good morning, Pam and Stephen and Graham. All good morning, lovely morning. Yeah, yes, good, good gorgeous morning. morning to be up and about. Yeah. Yes. Uh, now, uh, what I want to know is what plants are not suitable for mushroom compost? 
Well, anything that's not anything that's not keen on a slightly alkaline soil are the things you'd need to be a bit careful of because mushroom compost is often quite alkaline. Mm. And in fact, if I buy mushroom compost, I do a, soil, a, a pH test on it first because sometimes it can creep up to seven point five and yeah. further. Uh, and so azaleas, rhododendrons, uh, ericas, uh, all those acid-loving plants are not fond of it. Are not fond of it. Yeah. And what about natives like Revillias? Well, it's not so much the alkalinity that can be a problem with some of our native plants, but it can be the high nutrient levels of mushroom compost if you overdo it. I mean, if it's just sprinkled around, uh, you're probably not going to do any harm and just a little bit of nutrient will go into the ground. But if you put it down as a mulch and have a layer, then things like Revillias and, and, and a lot of our native proteaceous plants particularly uh, aren't going to like it. It's going to be too high in phosphorus and, mm. and, or, and, and, and just too rich, really. Right. So you just need to be careful of it. It is quite a strong, potentially strong thing to put down on the ground. Yeah, from my uh, fruit tree perspective, perspective uh, Val, uh, certainly blue, blueberries you wouldn't put around oh, the yeah, blue, well, blue, blue, yeah. blueberries yes. for sure. Yeah, another yeah, ericaceous yeah. plant, exactly. Yeah, well, you wouldn't put true, it around true, them. True, true, true. Yeah. Yes, Could yeah. you put it around your ordinary... Um Apricot and plum tree? Yes, I would say so, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I'd, that, I'd be quite happy to use straight. it there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's really a matter of amount, Val. I mean, yeah. nearly any plant will take it if you're just putting a sprinkling down. If, you, if you're using it like salt and pepper and not using it as a, yeah, uh, yeah, as a mulch, yeah. then and especially if it's going down on top of an already mulched soil, because it takes time to filter through. And so it's not then going to be quite so bad. But if you, say, had a rhododendron with no mulch over its roots, and rhodes have roots that sit right up near the surface, and you put a thick layer of mushroom compost down, you will burn the dickens out of your rhododendron if you don't kill it. Um, But if you put a sprinkling of it over an existing mulch, it will help that mulch rot down. It will give a certain amount of nutrient level to the ground. So I wouldn't hesitate to use it with everything as long as I used it in really small quantities. Like salt and pepper, you Yeah, use it like you would a condiment, not like... You know, a major constituent of a meal. Okay. Like a, you don't use it like a gravy, where you smother everything. Yeah, no, exactly. Very good analogy, Val. Yes, yes. I wouldn't use it as gravy, but you could certainly use it as salt and pepper. Or, and the other thing was, when do I strike azaleas? I've got a beautiful white azalea bush, and it's mm. just beautiful. And I thought oh, I might strike some of that. Well, azaleas are actually not that hard to strike from cuttings, uh, especially if you can put them in sort of some sort of humid conditions with a bag over them or something like that. But you wait till the new growth, after the flowers finish, the new growth will come up and you wait till that new growth starts to firm. Yeah. And that's normally Christmas or just a little after. Uh, is the time I would have a crack at azaleas. Some of the rhododendrons aren't too hard to strike, although some are almost impossible. Uh, But most of the azaleas will strike reasonably well from cuttings, but from what you'd call a semi-hardwood cutting. All right, that's great. Well, I'm getting you back into the... uh, All through winter I didn't have any... I wasn't out at all in the garden, and... um, and I'm getting back into it, but my eyesight's going, so I don't know how long I'll be doing it for. No, <laughs> oh, it's no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, anyway, it's, it's hard to feel the weeds. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can still sort of see. Nettles you can feel. Yes, yes, nettles are easy. I'll have to get some of my grandchildren to come and help me. Well, that's a good idea, and so they should. That's a great idea, because that'll encourage them to garden their own places. Yes, that's true, Pam. All right. Thank you very much, panel. Okay. I, I uh, say here, here to that previous lady's 
comments about your program. Oh, thanks, Val. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. 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 All right, next up we have Sue, who's out in Narry Warren. Good morning, Sue. Oh, good morning, panel. Um, um, I just want to ask Graham about the cold climate banana. Sure. All those scruffy bottom leaves, should I cut them off or not? Yeah, generally, well, I, I looked at mine when I came home from holiday and it was such a mess. And I, I, I was, you know, tempted to, to, to clean it up and take everything out. But I, I, I uh, you know, rest, 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 uh, what's, the, what, what's the word? I did, didn't do that yeah. because, you know, sometimes those leaves that hang over protect underneath parts that otherwise might be vulnerable if you took them away for another and another frost came and, and had a go at them. Now we're in, into October. It depends where you live a little bit sort of thing. If you think there's going to be another frost, it might pay to leave it for another month before you, you know, tidy all those rough leaves off. Well, that, we've that, only had one say. frost, but that... They're ac- yes. It's actually in my chicken ha- yard, yes. and it's on the north side of the chicken house, which is made of metal. Yes. So it gets. Yes. And I've also yeah, got a pineapple spot. there, which I actually grew. Really? Yeah. I, well, yeah. I don't know whether it's going to come to anything. But <laughs> <laughs> does it matter? It's all part of the fun of growing stuff. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I mean, don't you're never going to be self-sufficient in pineapples. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing it because I did live in the tropics once. But actually, I actually found a pineapple with the top on it. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and they're I, easy enough to grow yeah, from the tops. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, I, sure. and, and yeah, so it's in there, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll just leave those leaves. Yeah. I just wanted to make a comment. I'm very sad to hear about Alan Gilbert because yes. before he moved to Bruny Island, which my husband and I caught up with him and his wife in Bruny Island, he used to actually come and prune for me oh, in my pruning yes. and I've, I think I've got this whole series of books all personally autographed. Well, right. there you go. Well, that'll be a keepsake. Yeah. yeah. yeah very good. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was quite sad about that. Mm. Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we'll see you Friday. I actually, my husband's not a gardener. Oh, so you're going to drag him along, are you? <laughs> And, and he's actually got a gold card. I said, you can get him for free. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, bring him along. He can meet Peter Cundall, and he'll probably enjoy that anyway. Yeah, because he said he'd come, but I said, oh, well, you can now get him for free. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, sir. Uh, dear. Yes, of course, Alan was uh, – well, he actually in, invented um, – if you can – invented is the wor- not really the right word, but um, whole different pruning yeah, techniques. Different techniques. Yeah, yeah, yes. True, true, true. true. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I have to say some of them didn't make the trees look exactly aesthetically beautiful, but they, <laughs> they, they worked very and they productive. got fantastic yeah. Yeah, crops. Yeah. 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 yeah, He knew his fruit trees so well. You know, oh, he just, did, just, didn't just he? Just amazing knowledge there. Absolutely. Pr- practical man. Too. Yes, yeah. Okay. Oh, Robert's online. We've got Robert online. Good morning, Robert. Good morning. How is everybody going? We're, We're fine, well. Robert. Uh, how did the football go yesterday? Did you yeah. enjoy it? I, I, no, I, I, it was I, very one-sided. I, I, it was a boring I, game. I, I, I was there. I actually oh. avoided even listening to it. I accidentally <laughs> turned the radio on just as it was finishing, and so I heard who won, and that's as far as I went, Robert. <laughs> Look, I um, can I give a quick couple of reports. Yeah, Luke, yes. Had a, had a poor week rabbiting. No, damn. Again. Oh, oh, look, it broke my heart. I got onto a, a lovely farmer. So he said, yes. He said, there's some beautiful burrows along yeah. the fence line. Now, oh, talk about uh, heartbreaking. It's one of those barbed wire fences about five foot high. 
and the Jolly Rabbit burrows were each side of the fence. Uh oh, and, and you can only be on one side of the oh, fence, can't you, Robert? Oh, it broke my heart. <laughs> I was going to say it might break other things if you try and leap the fence. Well, I thought of all that too. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I had to come home empty-handed. But next through the week, I'm, I'm going to take my grandson out, so he'll ah. be one side of the fence. Yes, clever man. That'll work. I'll be the other, and all these people that I promised a rabbit for. One dear old lady said, "Oh, she said I was looking forward to a uh, curried rabbit." Uh. She I said, well, I can't do any better, madam. I said, you'll have to eat old sausages. <laughs> I, said, I hope to have a better go next week. Good. But anyway, look, uh, boys, I've got some problems with the cauliflowers I've got. They've developed a very nasty rust over the leaves, quite vicious. Have you seen that before in, in cauliflowers? No, I don't think... I, I haven't I, had I, it. I haven't, really. No, really no I can't wrong. say that I have. Um, and look, I'm one of those people that's a great believer in not spraying vegetables because right. if you're spraying them, you might as well be buying them from the greengrocers. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if I had a really bad case of something with a vegetable in the garden, I'd be more likely to hoik it out. Uh, right. And start again with something else. Use the bed for the next crop. Yes, they're just getting their heads too. Well, and look, there's no reason why they won't head. Right. So you could still crop your cauliflowers, right. um, but they may not be as big, but right. they'll still be perfectly edible. Right. Um, and just keep an eye on it in case it's one of those rusts that jumps from one type of plant to another. Yes. Uh, and if it looks like that's happening, then get them all out. Yes. The other thing I was just going to mention, everyone's got a new, uh, got a way of doing things. I've got one patch of daffodils, say beds 30 foot long by four foot wide. Mm-hmm. When I plant the daffs, I leave spaces so that when the, the leaves are dying down, I put a mole, uh, say half a bucket of soil, make little uh, moulds, and then I grow cucumbers in that area. Yeah. And I find the cucumbers uh, keep the bulbs cool and you're not wasting that land having to wait for months and months before the daffodils grow again. Yeah. Mm. Uh, look, I do similar things in my own garden, Robert. I, my asparagus beds are always full of tulips. Um, And in fact, I I planted a new asparagus bed this year and it's just a a single row of asparagus along the edge of my greenhouse and it was in this funny little narrow bed that I could never really work out what to do with and I thought, all right, I'll turn it into an asparagus bed Mm. and so I got 250 tulips from Tesla's this year and they were double yellow ones with red stripes through them and I planted them cheek by jowl in the bed with the asparagus so the asparagus went in at the same time so I won't be cropping any asparagus this year (laughs) Um, and I planted the front of the bed with curly leaf parsley and at the moment it looks outrageous <laughs> truly outrageous and there's the odd little asparagus spear starting to yeah, shoot up yeah, through the tulips and so later <laughs> in the season the bed will all, all be full of the fern of the asparagus but at the moment I'm enjoying the tulips so yeah. why not make double value yeah, why not yeah. Yeah. Good yeah, I think it's a, it's a good move yeah. what would you recommend thinking now of seedlings for vegetables and what would you be inclined you uh, folk to start planting now in the vegetable patch. So, well, your summer vegetables are just about here, don't you think? Mm. Yeah, it depends where you're located, of course. Uh, even in Doncaster, you know, down near the creek, you're more likely to get a frost than up up, up on the ridges and you know, different localities. Down around the Mornington Peninsula, it's, it's uh, you know moderated by the the water a little bit, so you're probably in. But uh, you know, for things like 
tomatoes, cucumbers, zucchinis, your capsicums. You know, cup cup day was always the the, the good time. And it's so easy, you know, we get a couple of hot days now and we get carried away a bit, don't we, sort of thing. We think, here we go, we put it in. Don't put your basil in quite yet. Basil is another one, none for sure. But we are getting close to that time, though, aren't we, Graham, where all those crops will be going in, your sweet corn, all that stuff. But it's probably another week or two away. Would you think on uh, on growing your seedlings, say, under the bit of glass? Yeah, ex- seed, exactly. Then, you're, you're right on. I always quote my old dad, and, and he had a little glass house. But if you've got some sort of a frame or you can rig up a bit of pl- pl- plastic, you know, even if you grow some of these things in pots. Yes. Like he, he used to get a five-inch or a six-inch pot sort of thing, and he'd, he'd pot, pot, pot up a dozen tom- t- tomatoes this time of the year a little, little bit earlier. Yes. You know, give, give, give them th- 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 three weeks in the... In, in, in the pots, and then yes. you, you put them out into the in, in, into the garden, and away they go. The trouble yes. is with tomatoes; the moment you put a tomato in, and it just sits there, you know, yes, at, 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 at best. And for the next month, it won't you get much, much growth no. on it at all. But so, in the weeds will grow grow up, sort of thing. So, you might as well, you know, just just keep them in pots, and then get, get, get yes. go in at the at two three. Yes, yeah. the gentleman across the road here at uh, Phillip Island got the two of the most magnificent banana. <laughs> plants I've ever seen. Hey, there you go. And really? do yeah. they mm. have they got some bananas on them? Yeah, there you go. So must yeah, be about yeah, yeah. twelve foot high. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, magnificent. Good. Yep. Just yeah, and other people good. I've known tried to grow them and can't do any good. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Isn't yeah. It? Well, with global warming, I'll be growing them up at Masseton eventually. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, thanks very much for everything. That's a pleasure, and, um, Robert, and good to have uh, your rabbit report. Rod, yes. And I, oh, oh, I've acquired a couple of geese. So I'll be uh, next uh, week. I'll be having a gander for. Yeah, that's... <laughs> uh, I wish I was down there having a gander with you. <laughs> Ta-da, bye-bye. All right, bye, bye Robert. Bye. Uh, the, other, the other thing Pam was going to say there, uh, seeding this time of the year is probably a, a more appropriate thing to do. If you're into seeding your tomatoes or your, you know, your yeah, yeah. capsicums, your uh, cucumbers and whatnot, and you've got a bit of a frame sort of thing, put a bit of glass over a frame, get them in there, get get the seed going yes. right on time to get that that, that, that in at the moment. Yes, yes, yeah. We've had a, a little uh, note from the outside line. Anthea wants to know how to get a climbing hydrangea to attach to a brick wall, Stephen. You don't try and attach it. You have to let it do its own thing. It'll find nooks yeah, and crannies. Yeah, so what you do is you lay it along the bottom of the wall and then I just put a brick or a rock against it so it doesn't move, yeah. and then it has to find yeah. its own way up yeah, the wall. Sure. Because yeah. it's like ivy, it's a, it has an aerial root system, and you can't, I mean, you can't blue tack it to the wall or anything, <laughs> no. it's just not going to work. So you just lay it on the bottom uh, and keep it in place with something, doesn't matter what it yeah. is, so that you don't kick it when you're walking through the garden beds or the dog doesn't run through and knock it around. So it's got to be held firm at the base of the wall. Yeah, so that it's touching the wall. Yeah, so that it's yeah. touching yeah, the wall. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then it nearly always takes between six and 12 months for the climbing hydrangea to work itself out and realise yeah. that, oops, I've got somewhere to climb. <laughs> uh, so you've got to be patient with it initially. But once it's gripped hold, um, you'll be surprised how quickly things will start to change. Mm. Uh, I've got an evergreen one at home that I planted, one of the Mexican um, climbing hydrangeas on a south wall that's a uh, rendered brick. And it must have gone in about f- five, six years ago, maybe seven years ago. It's now covering a whole wall of a house. Yeah, mm. they're going to be lovely. And yeah, it's fantastic. Sure. And now we have to cut it away from the fascia boards and from around the windows and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so once they get a hold, they're good. Mm. 
Probably a, uh, a a shady aspect or it's yeah. They, look, they're better on south or easterly walls. Yeah. They'll cope with a little bit more sunlight than your conventional macrophylla type hydrangeas because yeah. they don't have yeah. the same yeah. soft fleshy leaf. Okay. Right. So they don't need as much water, but they certainly seem to do better in a coolish aspect. The climbing hydrangeas and there's a whole group of them. People think that there's a climbing hydrangea, but there's there's several forms of the classical Japanese deciduous one. Uh, there's several evergreen ones that come from more subtropical areas like Mexico and, and Chile and places like that. They grow up in the hills, so they're not actually tropical. They're cool climate. Yep, yep. But there's several evergreen ones. And there's a whole range of related genera, and they all are self-clinging climbers, uh, all summer flowering. Nearly all have sort of lace cappy type white flowers. Mm-hmm. And they vary from ones that have leaves about the size of a 50-cent coin up to things that have sort of leaves the size of a good uh, apple cucumber. Mm. Uh, you know, So they vary quite a lot. And the evergreen ones are quite solid, glossy, dark green and some of the deciduous ones can be variegated or greyish. So they're a really interesting group of plants and and should be looked at more by people because they're a climber that is quite manageable uh, and they tend to grow to the height of anything that you've got to grow them on. So you could grow them up a low wall or a tree stump or you could grow them up a five-storey building and they sort of get to the top of where they are and then they send out side shoots and that's where the flowers sit on these shoots that sit out off the wall. They don't flower on the shoots that run up. So they produce an adult shoot system once they sort of cover the wall a bit uh, and then start flowering. And they just get more and more prolific as the years go by. And they're, they're wonderful climbers and much more manageable than something sort of madly twining, sort of like a, a jasmine or a clematis or something like that that can get completely and utterly out of yes, hand. Yes. Uh, they're quite easy to manage. Once a year I trim mine back from the windows and, and fascias and things around the, the wall of the house. Um, and that's about all I do. So they're, they're much easier to deal with than a lot of other climbers. Mm. So, yeah, people should use them more. Excellent. Okay, let's go next to Jill out in New Gisborne. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. How are you? We're well. Um, I've got a, I'm brokenhearted. I, I did spray my Alberta peach with copper, with liquid copper fungicide, but it, it's got worse curly leaves than I've ever seen it. Mm. When did you spray it, Jill? What time of the year? It was late June because we had a, a we had a, a, a warmish day. Yeah, right. See, uh, do you know, know what the brand was? Was it Cosi, do you remember? No, it, I, I've got it in my hand and it wasn't fresh, so I'm just wondering whether that might yeah. be. It, it's Yates's liquid copper fungicide. Mm. Yeah, and you, you know, if you just put a copper spray, a straight, you know, copper sulphate on, that's very acidic and it'll, it'll burn. But it, presumably, it was neutralised by, a, you know, an alkaline pro- product, and it was the the right, right product. But for for mine, you know, we were orchardists for m- m- many many yeah. years, and we we found that if we put one spray on in June and then late J- July put put a, put a spray on as well. Yeah. I, I use Coside this year, and uh, I've got very little, just a few little sprigs of curly curly yeah. thing. But you know, I, I I got good control. But uh, you know, a, a good day, like you, you, you said, that's important to get a good. Uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, it has we're, to we're, stick we're, around for a while, we're, doesn't we're, it? Will a day? That's for sure. Finding yeah, sure. the second day, that's the tr- <laughs> yeah. Well, it, yes. it, it was a hard that you know, when we're in orchard days, you know, you get a winter where there was so so, so little, you know, the, the opportunity. You wanted a calm day and a sunny day where it'll dry, and sometimes those those days are very few and far between. Right. Yeah. yeah. And do you think it's this 
wasn't this wasn't a fresh product and some that I'd had yeah. before. Mm. Do you think that that would make? You know, a I, I think that could make a difference. You know, yeah. uh, I know always uh, we would be tempted. We'd have uh, we, we'd mix up our own in the orchard days. You'd have copper sulfate in one barrel and you'd have lo- 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 lime in the other, yeah. and then you'd, you'd pour the the, the, the the two into the the co- co- common uh, uh, con- container or vat. Yeah. Uh, and if we had lime lime all from the previous year, we wouldn't use it because we reckoned, you know, that it was we, we Dad would always maintain we must have fresh lime to go in there, sort of thing. So that could could be part of it, you know. Maybe yeah, that's yeah, part sure. of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The other thing, all is not lost, you know. They'll after after a while. A peach tree will just discard those curly leaves, and you get the new growth come, come, coming through. So yeah. you know, it's, it's not going to kill the tree, is it? Graham, no, it's at this not going to. It's really bad this year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like it's every leaf. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it will. It will come good. Yeah. It'll probably, you know, sometimes it's bad enough to abort the fruit. Sometimes it's bad enough oh, to make ble- blemishes on the fruit. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I think uh, you know, in, in the, as uh, the Days progress, things will improve for you there, Jill. Okay, all right, thank you. Thanks for your help. Good on you. Okay. Thank you, bye. bye. And uh, next up, we have Evelyn out in Surrey Hills. Good morning, Evelyn. Oh, good morning. Um, thank you for your program, it's wonderful. I never miss it. Um, I'm just thinking about my climbing hydrangea, and I thought I had a problem for 14 years, it's never flowered. Mm-hmm. I come out here just to have a look at it, and would you believe it? First time it's flowering. Yeah, well, there you go. You, certainly most of the climbing hydrangea species uh, require a sense of patience. 14 years? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would say that's slightly excessive, but, um, but some of them do take quite a long time. There's a, a, a very large-flowered, large-leafed relative called Schizophragma integrifolia, and they say that rarely flowers under 10. Um, so yes, yeah, so they can take quite a long time to flower because they do have to produce that adult wood that sticks out off the wall. Right. So, could my problem have been? Um, it's actually on a feature wall, and I've got a round mirror, so mm. I've got the mirror p- being displayed. Yeah. Um, could it be that I was actually cutting off the flowers? I think you have. Yes, been. it sounds like. If it. you've had stems coming off the wall that you've been trimming back to keep the plant looking neat, yeah, then you have been taking its flowers off. Yes. Yeah, so just, I hate to say this, Evelyn, but it's your fault. It's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind you saying that. That's yeah, <laughs> because it really is important that you leave that adult wood on it because uh, it has the same growth pattern as ivy. If you see an ivy growing up a wall, when it's in its juvenile form, it'll have that sort of maple-shaped leaf uh, and it just sticks to the wall. Yeah, yeah, when it gets yeah. to the top, it starts producing adult foliage, which is more sort of spearhead-shaped, and it flowers on that wood yeah, only. Yeah, right. And okay. so the hydrangeas are exactly the same in the way they, they work uh, as ivy is. So they have to go into an adult mode before they'll start to flower. Okay, so I'm just going to leave it. Yes, yeah, leave yeah, well alone. Leave, leave it a little shaggier. Yeah, okay. Uh, you can still cut it away from around your mirror, but I'd leave the plant a bit shaggier and it will probably flower much better for you. Oh, look, it's great. It's looking beautiful. Sounds oh, they're a lovely plant and I think they're a very underutilised group. How many attractive climbing plants do we know that are self-clinging? Mm. You know, yes. there's very and in, few. And in, in autumn and winter you get that beautiful... Um, the, the branches. Yeah, yeah, that lovely tracery of branches. Yeah. I mean, I think they're a, an attractive plant all year round. Yeah. Um, can I ask another question while I've sure. got... Yeah. Um, Graham, have you heard of an orange? My girlfriend's got an orange called Mediterranean Sweet. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah, is, yeah. is that an... Is, 
Is it, does it come by another name? Because I haven't actually seen it anywhere. I don't know. Well, we, we certainly stocked them in our, our nursery for, for, for years there. A little bit like a, a, a Valencia in my, my, my book, or probably a, a sweet Valencia. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I had a friend, uh, well, one of, one of my customers, he had a lovely big tree and he's wrapped, wrapped in his Mediterranean sweet. It's a bit, 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 bit good, good, good orange, I think. But. Uh, uh, we, you know, we, we we purchased them from a, a group called M- M- Murray Valley Citrus. Mm. Uh, if you look them up on you know, on the internet, they would, uh, and you got in got in touch with them. I should say they they certainly stocked that one, and I should imagine they would still stock it, and they would be able to tell you what nurseries they supplied there. Oh, that'd be M- great. M- M- Murray Valley Nurseries, I think it is. Okay. M- Murray Valley. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you, Graham. Karen, thank you for your program, Evelyn. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Before we go to our next caller, Stephen, yeah. we have a new product we should really talk about well, because actually, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I've become a brand ambassador. Hey. Yeah, so it's about time somebody saw me as being valuable for something. Um, and I'm really excited about the product. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't have done it if I wasn't. Uh, exactly. You know, one has to keep one's reputation. Now, it's a product called E-Wood, um, and it's actually – uh, they make sleepers, they make garden edgings, uh, they make railings, they make plankings, um, wood decking and all that sort of thing. And it's all made out of recycled plastic. And you say, all right, well, there's a few companies out there making products out of recycled plastic, um, which is good because we're trying to utilise waste product, which is fantastic. But a lot of the plastic products that are being made out of recycled plastic, the products, the un... Uh, refined product has to go offshore to be sorted to get all of the the right plastics out in, and then it comes back again so you, you often have these things going to the Philippines or China or somewhere they sort them and then they send them back to Australia to then recycle which is sort of counterproductive totally <laughs> yeah it, it just doesn't make any sense to do that now e-wood is a product that's made from recycled plastic but it doesn't need to be sorted and graded they can actually use virtually every plastic they can use dirty plastic polluted plastic uh, different types of plastic everything from shopping bags through you know so they can use all the plastic so you don't need to look for the symbol on the bottom no you can actually all plastics use the lot. can go in yep. uh, and the other good thing about this product is that uh, well apart from the fact that you're not cutting a tree down to make a product that you can use in your garden um, is the fact that the machinery used to make it is comparatively small. Uh, it's also not particularly power hungry. Um, and so the idea is that hopefully eventually it will become a regionally based product where people have machines perhaps in every shire or, or you know, within close range of an area so that the plastics that are waste plastics within a district go straight to the local machinery to be turned into this product. And then the product, the finished product, would then be sold locally as well so that in fact the you're not putting petrol miles onto everything. Yes. You know, it's, it becomes more and more environmentally serviceable. Mm. Uh, the other thing I like about the product too is it's actually a nice-looking product. I'm not mad keen on things like aluminium pretend cast iron and, uh, you know, all these things that pretend to be something else. Mm. Uh, I generally would prefer the rigidige authentic when it comes to things like that. Uh, but I don't see this necessarily as let's pretend to be wood. I just see it as a good product in its own right. And it's... It's a good heavy solid product. It's it's very heavy yeah. and solid. Yes, can you hear that? It's very heavy and solid. That is not going to break down no. in a long, long time. It has a ten year guarantee on it, and the manufacturers reckon it will last at least a lifetime. I'm sure. And, it will. and if it does start to fall apart, they can take it back and make it into e wood again. 
So it could be it could be recycled again in that respect. So you know, if you had a job somewhere where some e wood had been used and you didn't need it anymore, it could go back to the factory and be turned into e wood again. That's amazing. So so it has a remarkable sort of um, environmental credential. And so that's one of the main things that has attracted me to this product and why I'm prepared to put my name to it. Um, and if anybody's interested in the product, they can obviously go into the eWood site. It's just E-W-O-O-D, eWood, um, and have a look at uh, the product on, on the web and it will give you all of the lowdown on how it's manufactured, uh, what it looks like and all that sort of thing. But if anybody's really interested in having a look at the product or even having a look at Stephen Ryan, um, I'm going to be down at Garden World this morning doing my first in-store promotion for the product. Um, and also they're obviously to answer people's gardening questions and other things. So there's, you don't have to come down just to have a look at some e-wood. Uh, but I would love to see you come down and, and have a look at this product. I'll be down at um, Garden World in Springvale Road from about 11. And if there's enough of a crowd hanging around, I'll stay there till about 3. So I would like to think some of our 3CR listeners, particularly down in that part of Melbourne, would come in to say hi, mm. apart from anything else, and maybe have a coffee at the cafe and, and have a look at the plants and everything else as well at Garden World. So, uh, But I will be there from 11, and I'll be showing people the product. Uh, the sales rep from the company is going to be there as well to answer any technical questions people might have about the product, because uh, I'm still learning about it. I mean, people keep sure. asking me things that I didn't think about. You know, like the other day somebody said, can you paint it? And I thought... Oh, hadn't thought of that. So I rang Peter and I said, can you paint it? And he said, well, you can. Uh, it's a good idea to rough the surface up a bit to get better grip. But he rec- uh, oh, the product, by the way, is a dark charcoal colour, which doesn't date, I don't think. No. Um, but he suggested the best paint to paint it with is dark charcoal. Um, <laughs> he's wicked, but there you go. What can I say? Um, so... Yeah, come along, see me at, at Garden World today. I mean, I'm going to drive all the way down there to meet people, so hopefully there'll be some people to meet. Um, and please, come and have a look at this product because mm. I think if you are considering building a retaining wall, making a compost bin, doing some raised veggie beds, um, I mean, the, the ideas are limitless in how you can use it because you can use it in basically the same way as you would use timber. Mm. So, you know, you could make a, um, a table over the top of your um, uh, outside air conditioning unit to store pots on. You could, you know, it, it really decking. is. Decking. Yeah, for decking, railing, all that sort of thing. So anything around the garden and, and extensions to houses and things like that, this product could well be worthwhile having a look at. And the company, the uh, sort of head company, uh, New Tech Poly, is doing all sorts of other things with recycled plastics as well. They're making surveyor pegs. And, uh, I mean, the, the range of products that are going to come out in due course is almost limitless. And uh, so I'm just really excited to be – I mean, the product's been around a little bit for a while, but this is the first time it's really starting to try and push itself out there and get itself known and, and really start to, you know, get out into the market. I might add just in passing that it's not a cheap product per se. It's a quality product. So it won't be sort of, you know, lower end. It's, it's probably price-wise equivalent or even fractionally dearer than buying the equivalent in timber. But you're never going to have to replace it. You're never like replacing timber. it, and some buggers have not cut a tree down for you to build your exactly. garden beds yep. or whatever. Um, so you can have a feel-good feeling about it because you're using a product that is right recycling trash, basically, and you're protecting uh, timber in the environment. Um, and, yes, you pay a little bit more for it, but it will be there forever. Mm. Whereas it doesn't matter what timber you use. I, I can remember years ago before the scares of uh, arsenic and things with treated pine, having used treated pine edging for some beds, 
And it rots. Yeah, it disappears. It yeah, sure. yep. you know, and, and yep. even red gum eventually is going to rot away. The bugs and things will get into it and it'll yep. all rot away. Yep. And not that I'm trying to hurry my rotting of my red gum edges to my vegetable beds, but when and if it eventually happens, well, I'll be moving over to using a product mm. like this. Yeah, I think sure. it's just logical. Yeah. Um, Stephen, the one thing that really excites me about the product is the fact that you said the machinery needed is quite small it's comparatively small so it doesn't need a huge big factory space so so ideally you would have for instance each each local council that would be could could take on one of these machines so that so that if they just simply changed what was allowed or had a, a completely separate designated plastic just bin each bin. week yeah, for the plastics. then all of that can go locally um, doesn't have to be sorted, can also provide employment locally yes. and then can be and sold income. locally. And income. I mean, it can be a profit-making exercise yes. even for local council. So it's not, uh, you know, because they see their garbage collection and recycling collections as a cost. I mean, we all pay oh, yes. our, our bin charges on our rates and I think for the green waste bin which drives me insane because I don't use it um, costs me $61 a year Mm. for them to take green waste away which I compost or shred or (laughs) you know I'm actually a net green waste importer uh, on my garden so I never send anything out but they won't let me get away with not paying for the bin because the charges have to sort of be shared I guess but then I get some petrol guzzling machine that comes down my street every fortnight to to collect bins from everybody else but me. Um, and, you know, so we, we pay a lot of money to have our, our garbage taken away. So it could, in fact, be of cost benefit to ratepayers as well. Absolutely. Uh, if the council's making money out of waste, why not indeed? Yep. So, yeah, so I think, you know, uh, we really do have to get on board with, with proper recycling. I mean, I often wonder how much of the stuff that goes into my recycling bin that I assiduously sort and, and I wash the tins and, you know, I do all of the things I should do. See, I do the same thing. Yeah, and you wonder. I won't let anything go in that's dirty. And, yeah, yeah, well, I do exactly the same thing. Gee, but is, is it really then? getting to the right place? Yeah, and and look, I've heard all sorts of things said that a lot of the waste that we're putting into recycling bins ends up as waste again. Mm, I've heard that too. You know, and so I don't know what the figures are, and nobody seems to be prepared to tell you. No, because uh, it would probably put us all off recycling. Yep. Um, but if you've got a product like this that you know is being made out of recycled product. I, I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. It is. So it is. I'm really excited by it. So please come and see me at Garden World. I don't want to be standing there by myself. Um, and and I'm happy to answer questions about anything garden-oriented as well as show you the product. So very I'll be good. there from 11. Yeah, very good. Brilliant. Yeah, and you, Prime Minister, talking about everybody being innovative. Is, yeah. that, is that the word, Simon? Yeah. And this sounds like it's innovative. Yeah. And uh, you know, in, in our sh- shire... We we don't have to pay if we don't want the the, the, the bin that takes our green matter away, which I don't certainly want because it all goes in the back yeah. end, in, into well, the garden. I tried we, to we, get out. We of don't it. have to pay. We yeah. don't have to pay for no, it. No, well, yeah. they they exclude gardens that are over. I think it's an acre or an acre and a half. You don't yeah, have to have so, it because they believe yeah, that within yeah. that space you can deal with your own composting. Yeah. But my garden wasn't big enough, yeah. and I wrote them letters. And at the time, I was still the host of Gardening Australia, and I said to them, "Look, I'm out there showing people how to recycle." Yeah. You know, I. I'm ahead of the pack here. Pressure there. You know, I've got I've got a, a worm composting toilet system. I mean, how green can I get? Uh, and they still make me pay for a green bin that I I never actually took it on off the street. Okay. I left it out the front and I rang them and said, look, even if I've got to pay for this thing, I don't want the bin. 
Um, I haven't touched it. It's yours. If somebody hits it with a truck coming down the street, that's your fault, not mine, because you left it there. So come and take it away. So they did. They took it away. But I, I just paid the rates last week or the week before. And there there's my $61 for a green waste bin. Yep. It really rankles. Yes. Oh, dear. Oh, well. Okay, we have a few callers to get through. First up, we're going to Dave in Frankston. Good morning, Dave, and thanks for waiting. Yeah, that's all right. Like Norman Banks used to say, top of the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's taking us all back. Unfortunately, I think we're all old enough to remember that. Yes, yes. we are. <laughs> Me particularly. <laughs> uh, the main question is, I've got a 20-year-old pear tree. It's been very healthy over the years. With uh, the climate and everything, I was looking at yesterday... There's only a couple of little shoots. Is everything in delay maybe a, a, a month or a few weeks because of that, that big space of cold weather and we've got to wait for the soil and the heat to come for it to really blossom again? I think that, that that's probably – I wouldn't, wouldn't say a, a month, you know. With the weather, you can probably yeah. put about two Well, my nashi pear's in full delay. bloom yeah, at the moment. Yeah, my pear's in full bloom too. Yeah, is, yeah is, so is my nashi's fully out at the is moment. Is that an ornamental pear? Uh, no. no oh, fruiting. Mm. Just one thing, you know, with the, the severe weather, you know, it's been healthy for years and years and years. Yep. You know, I've trimmed it now and then over the years. Hmm. Can a pear tree just suddenly die? Not, not, not generally. They're, no, they can live for yeah, a century or yeah. more. Yeah, uh, we I, I knew one from my old grandfather that was a, a, a hundred, hundred years old, and you know they, they lot nectarines, peaches, a lot of the stone fruit. Probably twenty years, you know, they're they they're, they're gone. They'll but a pear just hangs in there, and they'll take no, never waterlogged. You know, you can be the big, very wet soil, and they'll still survive. So it's a bit bit surprising that how's that? There's no sort of rot areas in the no, in, in the, uh, no there's bottle. no rot. Just looking at it yesterday, there was a couple little shoots, but sometimes with the the pear uh, tree branches. When they, when they have it uh, broken out with blossoms and leaves and everything, sometimes the old pear tree, the branches almost look dead, don't they? Sometimes, don't oh, they? Yeah. That, yeah, well, the branches so. on a pear get gnarly and and mm. and strange shaped and things with age and they often get covered in lichen and mosses and things like that Um, I see that personally as part of the charm myself, I quite like the look of a gnarly old fruit tree yeah, because I hate to say this as much as I adore being able to pick my own fruit, I also like my trees to look gorgeous Um, so I always move in the middle ground, I won't necessarily prune so heavily that is probably better for fruiting but I prune to make sure that my tree looks attractive yeah, the, the last thing on it, there's just a couple, all the branches, I just saw a couple of little green shoots, so maybe it's just start of the next, like we, what we, Graham said, next week or a couple of weeks, yeah, it'll yeah. Yeah. We'll break This out. warm weather will move it quickly yeah, if it's going to move sure. on, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it'll be where, out before where, you know where, where are you located, Dave? In Frankston. Yeah, sure, no, I thought it was... But uh, yeah. it has been a, a strange year, and uh, the winter and everything, we yes. were... For quite a while, we were in hibernation, weren't we? Yeah, for a that's while right. It was a very cold, cold one, that's for sure. Yep, anyway, yep, yep, yep. Okay, anyway, no. the sun's back, so yeah. here we go again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> off and running. Optimistic. See ya. Good Bye. 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 Bye, Dave. Right, next up we have Catherine down the Mornington Peninsula. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning to all of you. How can good, we help good you, morning. Catherine? Um, I need some help identifying a plant. Probably this is Stephen's area. All right, well, we'll do our best. (laughs) Stephen, I planted this about 10 years ago, and it has sent up 
just this week about a 12-foot flower spike. It's... uh, it has we need more description, Catherine. <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. It has sword-shaped leaves, yeah. which I think originally pointed upwards, but now I'm looking at it with this huge flower spike. They are mm. now pointing downwards. Uh-huh. Grey-green. I um, think it's a fur crayer. Do you? It's, it looks like nothing... So Does it look sort of like a giant yucca on steroids? It looks like a giant asparagus. Yeah, well, this flower spike will look like that as it's coming up, but I'm talking about the plant itself, the way the leaves sit and so forth, in a big rosette like a yucca would. Yes. Yeah, well, I reckon it's a fur crayer, and when that flower spike finishes growing, which it will grow up to about 20 feet or more Great. by the time it finishes, it'll have white bell flowers that will form on this big sort of candelabra-shaped sort of thing that will form up there. And then it will produce little tiny bulbils in amongst the flowers. Um, and when the flower spike finishes, the bulbils will drop to the ground and they'll start the next generation and the old plant will die. Yes, I, I, I probably bought it from you. It's very possible. So <laughs> cray is one of those things that makes a great sort of uh, big, bold feature plant. Bold it certainly is. Yeah. And when they go spell- to flower, you need to throw a party because that's sort of the end of the era. How do you spell Fucrea? Uh, if I've got it right, it's F-U-R-C-R-A-E-A, I think. Right. And so it's white flower. Yeah, it'll have a white bell flower. For memory, it's slightly perfumed, but you need to get a cherry picker in you to go and smell it. Each of those scales, for want of a better word, yeah. they're just starting to peel back. Yeah, and that, that's normal. They'll just keep peeling back as the flower spike keeps going up taller and then it will start to branch out and then you'll get the white bells and then the little bulbils amongst oh, them. It looks as if there are flowers coming out from each of those little um, Oh, scales. a question I was going to ask, the scales aren't pink, are they? Yes, they are. Ah, well, we've got a different plant again then. Right. It's not a furcrea. It's actually a uh, Mexican lily, um, Beshcorneria. Now I saw a bush corneria in a garden recently, mm. but it was—it um, it wasn't more than a, um, three foot high, and it was—it was in um, what was it called? It was bush corneria. Yeah, well, there's bush corneria yucoides, and there's bush corneria. Uh, this was the false red agave. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, Septentrionalis or Septentrius that, yep, or something like that. Uh, there are about three or four species of Besh corneria, and they are slightly various. Okay. But if it's got big pink scales on it, mm-hmm. and it'll come out with sort of a, a, a greenish bell when it starts to flower, and the stem should come up and arch over yeah. mm. when it gets going. So it's it'll sort nice. of arch over once it gets... Uh, yes, it is starting to do yeah. that. Yeah, so it'll be a Besh corneria, not a furcrea. Right, and it, you said a Mexican something. Yeah, Mexican lily it's sometimes known as. Mexican lily. Yeah, but Besh Corneria, I mean, that's the best name to use because that will pin it down. I mean, there's probably okay. a dozen things called Mexican lilies out there. Yes. Okay, um, Besh Corneria. Uh, common names worry me no end. Mm. Uh, but, yes, if it's got the pink scales, it'll be a Besh Corneria of one species or another. Same deal there. Do they die after they've They don't, actually. The Besh Cornerias will produce... Um, rosettes around the old rosette but the old rosette will die because the flower spike comes up through the middle yes that's so right so it should produce pups around the outside but that yes the one that's in bloom will die and i'll have to wait another 10 years oh no I? you you probably won't actually because the pups will in fact grow 
because they've got a big root system under them, they'll actually grow quite a bit faster. So you might even find that two years down the track you get another flowering and you might, in fact, have several flowers. So I have a forest. Yes, also. you could have yes. a forest, yes. <laughs> yeah. Of these 12 foot. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yes, yeah, subtle thing that it is, yes. Very subtle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. That's a pleasure. Okay, thank you. bye. Bye. Yes, there's always risky IDing over the phone. Oh, it is. Yeah, yes. unless you get all the details, you can easily be led astray. Absolutely. Okay, we have Hugh online. Good morning, Hugh. Top of the morning to everybody. How is it out there in the Yarra Valley this morning, Hugh? I don't know. You haven't this been outdoors? Morning, this summertime is sort of playing havoc with my body clock. I have, I just woke up. <laughs> I have. I don't know quite yet what is top and what is bottom. Oh, well. <laughs> That'll come by the end of the day, Hugh. Victoria, Victoria, top of the morning to everybody. And Dr. Graham, I have a question to you in a minute. <laughs> You're promoting me with this doctor. Yes, it's going I've, to I've, be a question on a yakaranda, so prepare yourself. I have a son called uh, who's a doctor, but not, not, not me. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right, so what's your first question, Hugh? <laughs> Now, the first one is a bit of promotion for, for Ringwood Orchid Society. We are in full swing. It's a Melbourne Centre. It's somewhere Marunda Highway, Ringwood. I don't know the details. And the other thing is promotion for, for, the, for, the, uh, for the garden show. At the, um, at the showgrounds, they had some farmers going around in tractors having a line dancing. Yes. And I thought, anything they can do, we can do better. <laughs> so what I have in mind is I have Angle doing, Angus doing a tap dance with a, with a chainsaw. Then I have Millie. Hugh, you have woken up weird this morning. <laughs> yeah, then I have Millie, a waltz with a motor mower. Yes. And I have Peter Kendall running around with a wheelbarrow. Yes. And Trish, you know, she can trumpeting on a brush cutter. And, and you're expecting this all to happen next weekend at the showgrounds. Yes, and Penn can do the choreography, you yeah. know, to the, to the music of the Four Seasons. Oh, goodness, yes. No, I... Edmondson, she can run around with a sprayer. Yes, no, it doesn't and, bear and they, thinking about you. Yeah, well, well, they, they can do a bit of a line dancing too. <laughs> Anything that like, the farmers can do with a tractor, we can do better. Yeah, well, yeah, gardeners are good at lots of stuff, but I'm not sure about line dancing. <laughs> you yeah, said, well, I'm going to think of something more like how I can employ you. No, good. Fantastic, <laughs> you. I look forward to that. Yes. And now I'm having Dr. Graham. I'm having a problem with my jacaranda. I purchased the jacaranda and I was so proud of it. I'm so proud of it. It is anywhere between two and three, two meters and two and a half meters tall. That's something like seven and eight feet tall. It is a stem straight up like an SEC pole. From the, it's in a pot. It is at the bottom around three quarter of an inch plus, and at the top it is about half an inch. But it is very sparse at the very top. Mm. Now everything, Dr. Graham, is shouting, is shouting, sprouting, 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 or whatever it is. Yes. It's uh, showing butts and this, that, and the other. But I can't look that far up, <laughs> seven, eight foot, you know. Okay. And uh, I can't see if there are any butts or anything like that. Yeah. All I can see is 
there is nothing happening at all. Mm. And I'm very, very unhappy about my yeah. jacaranda. I think two, two things there, Hugh. One, one, it's been a particularly cold winter. You've had a few fro- good frosts, I would say, up there and there. You know, subtropical at best, the jacaranda, they do really do suffer with, 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 with frost. The other thing, you know, in a, in, a, in a pot like that, you know, I don't know how big the pot is, but if you've got a, you know, a couple of metres up into the, in, in, into the air, you probably need it into the ground rather than in a pot, as, you know, do, do you think? Yeah, well, with the pot, it, it came of one of those mailing houses, right? Uh-huh. And it, it, the pot was rather small, something on the... Uh, on the eight-inch size, Ooh. you know, it wouldn't have been much bigger. No, no, no. And no. when I got it, I thought, yeah. the first thing is I do, I put it into a bigger pot. Yeah. It's not going to stay there. It's just going to go to Warburton, you know. Okay. And I thought, well, I got it in winter, and I thought uh, Warburton is even colder. Yeah. And so I thought I leave it in, 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 in Lilydale. Mm. In my place, and leave that, and 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 I thought I leave it there till the water warms up, till the weather warms up a little bit. And uh, I don't know for sure, but I think you're pushing your luck to grow a, a jacaranda in Warburton. I, I I might be wrong, but uh, they are, you know, they they really do suffer in the cold. Yeah. You had yes. the experience there. Yeah. Look, the yeah. only jacaranda I've ever seen in our district. There was one that surprised me completely, growing in a garden over near Hanging Rock. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Um, and they had it against the north side of a wall against mm. a chimney okay, uh, in yes. a very sheltered site yeah, on a farm a, building, yeah. and it was and it was 30 and feet tall and flowering. And, and each, yes. But it's the only jacaranda I've ever yeah. seen around our area, so they really don't like the cold. No. Well, the, I can leave it in Lilydale, but since it has now been repotted into a bigger pot as a temporary measure, I thought maybe um, I shall take it out of that pot again and give it more loose sandy soil or something like that? If you're going to keep it in a pot, yes, but otherwise I'd try and get it into the ground, Hugh. They don't like being in pots full-time. And the other issue with them is in a pot, the root system is going to get colder than in the ground. So when the winter's on, the pot will get colder all the way around the root system, whereas if you've got it in the ground, it gets cold on the surface, but the undersoil actually stays slightly warmer. And so they would be better in the ground than they would in pots. Well, so if I read your mind um, properly, um, take it out of the pot immediately and put it into the ground immediately here yep. in Lilydale. Yep. Yeah, I would. I, I think it would be silly to take it up to Warburton because, as uh, Graham said, it's unlikely to survive up there. Yep. And uh, isn't it rather odd, you know, that nothing is doing up there? Oh, look, it still may be going to, Hugh. Sometimes trees will shoot at the bottom part first and then they work their way up, particularly if they've been repotted or fiddled with. Um, it takes longer for the sap to get to the top. And it's still early yet. I mean, it's still cold. Jacarandas yeah, won't yeah. be anywhere near yeah, properly yeah, leafing yeah, out yeah, yet. Yeah, um, so it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, right. Shall I put the pot um, in more in the sunny position? Yeah, I would. That, that's in a, a shady position. No, in a sunny spot. The warmer spot you can get, the better. Yeah. And then let the sun warm the pot up a little bit. Yep. 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 Oh, that makes me so much happy. Now, Stephen, I'm still working on it. How I can get you into my line dancing there? You know? <laughs> I don't like your chances, Hugh. <laughs> well, 
Isn't it a fantastic idea? Uh, yeah, yeah, not quite sure for who. <laughs> Well, God, the public will love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'd rather be laughed with than at. <laughs> you're, 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 you're a showman, you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, thank you all. And uh, Victoria, wake up. Come on. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's, 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 I think Bye, some you. of them are awake. See you later, Hugh. Bye. Bye. Now. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. In the studio this morning, we have uh, Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants and Graham Morrison, our fruit tree guru. Uh, we do have quite a few callers still to get through, and we're running through until 9.15, our usual time. So um, let's see if we can get through a few of these. First up, we have uh, Michael in Caulfield. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, everyone. Um, Graham, I've got a, a, a fruit tree question for you. Yes, Michael. Um, we've got a – I was thinking about putting some fruit trees on the south side of a, of a north fence. Good. And uh, it's a fairly narrow area. So um, I, I'm thinking about, uh, oh, I, I want to have them sort of a V-shape so that I can, you know, they'll basically provide some shade as well as some fruits. Okay. Um, Manchurian pears are what I've seen similar people do this or, or various varieties of ornamental pears. Okay, yes. But they're, they're a bit big. They grow a bit big, I thought, and yes. for the area that I've got. And besides, they don't give you any fruit. So I was wondering... What you might recommend that would be, oh, say, four or five meters, something like that. Uh, but I was thinking of a mix so that they would look similar. I could, you know, rather than just so they look similar, but they would be, you know, of different fruits, so apples, pears, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you stretch my imaginations a bit here. <laughs> uh, uh, I think. Uh, you know, uh, if you look for blossom, the cherry blossom is a lo- is a lovely tree. Uh, I've been to Japan recently, sort of thing. So I'm a bit uh, up as uh, uh, just uh, uh, it's a, it's a, spe- a special thought in my poor brain at this stage of the game. But uh, uh, you know, I, I guess you know, fruit wise. You've just got to be prepared for possums and for birdies to take to take them from you. And obviously, pruning is going to be an issue in a in a narrow space unless you plant those little pencily things, the sort of ballerina apples and stuff. You still will have to prune. Plums tend to be quite quite upright. Indeed, in our old orchard days, we would tie the limbs over so that we get a bit of width out of them, and they'll tend to be you know fairly vertical, mm-hmm. as as as, as, as cherries a little bit like that. But uh, to get up to that side, you, you you look at things like mulberry and figs, and they can get up a you know tall, taller than you, you you're wanting there. I think. Yeah. But. Uh, Probably to cherry, you know, you can you don't have to go for an ornamental pear. You can go for a uh, a, a fruiting pear as well. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, apricot tend to be a bit on the sprawly side. Yeah, they go out yes. all over the yeah, place, yeah, don't yeah, they? Yeah. But, uh, what about something offbeat like planting a pomegranate? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You yeah. know, they don't grow yeah, enormously no, no. tall, but you can also yeah, clip yeah, them back yeah, to yeah. 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 And Whatever. pomegranates have become very popular in salads these days. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, my wife loves yeah. pomegranates. So yeah. I mean, on side. the south side of a fence, it might struggle a bit until it gets more light. Mm-hmm. You probably get your three meters. It'd be a maximum, I'd mm-hmm. say. Yeah. You know, yeah. 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 Then I mean, the in tree. Italy, we saw them absolutely clip back into hedges and you know really shaped to yeah, an inch sure. of its life and they were they were still doing wonderfully yeah. well 
And it's a sort of a slightly offbeat suggestion. And I mean, the flowers on pomegranates are really quite spectacular. Oh, they're beautiful. The, the autumn foliage can be good. So they can be quite ornamental. Yes. And then, then we we have, haven't mentioned uh, pear, uh, apples. Yes. Apples, uh, apples are another one, of course. That uh, I guess the old uh, coddling moth thing is a bit of a worry sort of thing. If you don't like the spray, that can be a bit of a confounded nuisance. You get, you know, saw sawdusted fruit for fruit or you know, that that sort of thing. But uh, I think you know, ch- cherry, uh, pom- pomegranate, uh, pear, uh, and plum. I think those you know, mm-hmm. for okay, four that's probably like a nice yeah. mix. Yeah. A fruit salad. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you've got an instant fruit salad there, yes. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much. Good okay. Michael, bye. bye. Right, we're going to Sharon next, who's out in Cheltenham. Good morning, Sharon. Oh, good morning. Uh, look, just a um, quick comment about the recycling. Yeah. I've thought for a long time that recycling is mainly about making us feel less guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had that suspicion myself, Sharon. Yes, but... That's not why I'm ringing. Um, my lemon tree uh, gall wasp again, of course. Uh-huh. Um, it's quite big now. If I cut it back really hard and forego the lemons, sure. yep. um, mm. will the gall wasp be attracted to the new growth? That's what I've been wondering. Yes, it certainly will be, yeah. So yeah, there's un- not a lot of point in me doing that, really. Yeah, well, it depends, I suppose. You know, it depends... If you've got a neighbour that's not doing anything about it, and there's gall galls all over the citrus tree, well, you're going to be. Fo- it's a battle. Yeah. Uh, if you know, it's just you know, from a stray in- insect coming from a fair distance away has infected your tree, and uh, you, you know you're going to clean all that up, and you're going to have a, have a new start. Well, maybe you know you're going to succeed. Succeed there, Sharon. Oh, I don't uh, think I will. I think the. Um the neighbours would be not. Yeah, okay. Right. That is always the issue, isn't it, Graham? Because, yeah. you know, you can be assiduous about cleaning up your own gall wasp, but yes. if your next-door neighbour's got a citrus yeah. tree and it's full of it, you you're never going to win. No. Uh, 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 no, true, I thought true. they did like the new growth. I wasn't sure. Yes, they certainly do. Okay. Yep. So, so you're going to be better off just taking off the affected branches. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll end up, yes, with no tree at all by the time you finish. Yeah, keep going with what I've yeah, been yeah. doing. Yes, exactly. The, the, the latest right. ploy, they say, about December when you spray white oil for your scale insects on citrus, uh, it, it's, a, it's a time when you can get some effect on your gall wasp as well. You, you, you suffocate the, the, the little guys that are in there. So, oh, that's, so that's you know, if you put your white oil on in December, it could, could be worth a try. Oh, thank you, Graham. Okay. Just don't put it on on a hot day. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> yes, you don't okay. want to fry your tree. <laughs> yes. Go and write that down. Thank you very much. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. And uh, next up we have uh, Spiro, who's in Williamstown. Good morning, Spiro. Uh, good morning, panel, and thank you for your show. Um, I have a question about avocado tree. We're looking to select one in our backyard mm. and looking for one that doesn't grow too tall, that produces... Nice fruit. Have you any suggestions, Graham? Yeah, well, there, there isn't. There are dwarf ones available now. Now, I haven't had too much experience with the, with, with, the, with the dwarf varieties in my own garden. I have a a, a bacon and a hass. 
I, I, bacon is supposedly the one that's a, a, a good, for cooler be, be, better, climate. Cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool climate grower. That doesn't seem to crop, crop very much. I've only had a few fruit on that, whereas I suppose I've had 20 to 30 uh, on my hash this year, and they, 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 they've been quite but They're good. still standard-sized trees, aren't they? So they're still yeah, quite that's big in yeah. Exactly. Mm. They can get quite, quite, quite large. But there are, uh, you know, such a lot of... Dwarf varieties are come, come, coming mm. on the market now, and I'm not too sure whether indeed they have Hass as a. Uh, I, I fancy that it would be a varietal thing, the dwarf, and so the. So it's the, not that they're grafting it onto a dwarfing mm, understock, no, you think? No, I, I think not. Mm. Uh, I, I, I could be wrong there, but. Uh, that's uh, you know you, I guess you just got to uh, uh, ask for information on that. I'm sorry, I can't supply much in, in dwarf ones. I'm a bit uh, at loss. Yeah. Do you think you'll, um, there'll be someone at the um, gardening festival next weekend that's got uh, information on avocados? I'd be surprised if there wasn't people there selling and dealing with fruit trees. So um, certainly there should be a fair bit of expertise there. And, you know, so it would certainly be worthwhile considering that as an option. The other thing I know is that uh, diggers were selling a dwarf avocado last year. Oh, were they? Yes. Oh, you so okay. um, yeah, sure. they, mm. you, you could maybe um, phone diggers and, and have a chat to them. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, it's amazing. There's a dwarf of almost everything now, yeah, isn't there? Either true, by true. understock yeah, or yeah, by yeah, cultivar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's because all of this housing development, yeah. there's, there's no mm. gardens left. Yeah. You've got and, to go. And look, I have to say, as much as I enjoy the idea of having dwarf fruit trees, people have got to realise you also get dwarf crops. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, do, you don't get a full size tree's crop <laughs> off a dwarf tree, you know. So. It's sort of inevitable that you're going to get less fruit. You might get a few for eating, but you're not going to be making dozens of jars of jam. (laughs) Or lots of guacamole in the case of avocados. (laughs) Um, So your dwarfer ones are going to have less fruit in general. So you've just got to accept that as part of the scenario, I guess. What's what's the latest thinking, Graham, as regards having a second avocado tree? They say that you don't need it, but a lot of people were saying that they felt they were getting a much... Much better crop if they had two avocados. Yeah, right. I think that, 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 that that's probably right, Pam. Always they said in their cold climates around Melbourne, you know, that, that the pollination was a diff, 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 different mechanics sort of thing and, and you get crops with what one tree. Yes. Well, uh, I've got, I have the two two trees there, but, uh, you know, it's... it's a bit, <laughs> You look at the avocado, the mine at the moment. I think it's got a thousand flowers on it. And, 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 wow! And, 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 and you know, that out of those thousand, it'll set about twenty or thirty fruit. For, for fruit, they're strange things. Do you think avocados, yeah. for the size of the tree in general, are good value for a home garden? Yeah, well, I guess, you know, I've got mine in a sort of big planter box and I guess it's about as high as this room, probably three metres. But you see them, you know, quite a bit bigger than that. I suppose that's been there for five years. So it's... Uh, uh, they're rather attractive looking foliage to yeah. the tree. Oh, yeah, they're a nice know, evergreen it's, it's, tree. It's, 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 uh, and sure. really, when you think about it, apart from citrus, most of our fruit trees mm. tend to be deciduous. Yeah, so, true, true, true. So, an yeah, evergreen sure. tree, I guess, can have its yeah, uses yeah, yeah, yeah. Little, for little, shelter and yeah. stuff. A little bit sensitive to waterlogging. You've got a, 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 a well good dry, drain, well yeah. drained yeah. Drain yeah. area. Yeah, so it. the heavy soils sure. on the west of Melbourne probably aren't a good yeah, idea for yeah, avocados. That's right. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Okay. Very quickly, just before we run out of time, I did receive a letter here during the week from one of our listeners 
who mentioned that uh, she was listening to another gardening show and heard mentioned that uh, if you have a lot of curly leaf to hang a marshmallow weed in the tree. Have you ever heard of that, Graham? I have. Have yeah, you? Have oh, yeah, too. I've heard of marshmallow weed. Mm-hmm. I think part of it is myth and superstition because what happens is, as we all know, if you don't spray your, cit- uh, your citrus, your, your peaches and things early in the year, you get curly leaf and once you've got it, you can't do anything about That's it. That's right. But the trees then shed those leaves and you get fresh green leaves. And if you hang a marshmallow <laughs> weed up in the tree, the tree's going to shed all of its grotty leaves anyway. Uh, and so I think a lot of people are thinking that by hanging by the hanging marshmallow that, the yeah. new leaves that have come out are, hey, they're free of curly leaves. Exactly. And that's my I think you're right theory. on, I'm right on I reckon I am, Graham. I think that's exactly what's happening. And I remember hearing about marshmallow weed. I was a kid when I first heard okay. about it as a cure for curly leaf. Yep. And I've certainly tried it, uh, but I haven't hung it in the tree in the winter when the curly leaf should be dealt with. Uh, and that's but, a whole different ballgame. It is. It's a completely different ballgame. So my gut feeling is after a little bit of experimentation, I think it was just that the tree was going to shed those leaves anyway, and my marshmallow weed had no impact. But having said that, if you want to know what marshmallow weed looks like, it has a sort of a roundish geranium-shaped leaf. And it gets little tiny pink hibiscus-shaped flowers, but they're minute. Uh, and it grows in in vacant lo- allotments and 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 unloved areas of gardens and things. Very hard to pull out too. It's yeah, oh, yeah, one, once, it, once you get a taproot, you yeah. can't get it out. Yeah, exactly, Graham. You tend to break the top off trying to get it out of the ground. Um, so you won't do any harm with marshmallow weed, but I don't. I don't myself believe that it actually works. Uh, so unless you were to hang it in the tree in the winter and see whether you have no curly leaf that's later right, in the yeah, year, but it's when the curly leaf's on the tree and people have got a big patch of marshmallow weed that they pull it out and put it in the tree. And I can't see how that works. Yes, yes. <laughs> we need, need that person to, person to run an experiment. Yeah, it needs we, to be we, done we, properly. We, 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 yes, <laughs> exactly. Okay. And I don't think marshmallow weed is quite so active in the winter anyway, so you're not going to no. get nice big clumps of it, so at, there least you go. Frost, uh, at least in, unless you're in a frost-free area. Yep. And certainly I wouldn't have any in the winter at Macedon. Yes. I'd be sticking to a copper spray for Yeah, yes, I think so. <laughs> Goodness me. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, – just before we finish the pro- pro- program, uh, I, when I was a kid, we would ro- ro- get an Im- immature pumpkin and you get a, a needle or a sharp, sharp instrument and you write your name on them sort of thing. And then it calluses up and I just brought a pumpkin in with my daughter's name, Fiona Rose, written on. And uh, it's just amazing how they see – Well, at least you know it's your pumpkin. Well, that's yes. right. We used to write the name of our teachers on it there, and you know, Miss Ambrose or what says, and, and, and take her a pumpkin sort of thing. So that's just a bit of a novelty that you know. Fantastic! We can all have a go at this summer <laughs> yeah. when our pumpkins are coming. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. We should remind listeners, Stephen, you're heading off I'll to be down Garden, at Garden World. World at eleven. Uh, I'll probably be there a bit early, but I'm hoping to get a coffee before when I get down there. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of three CR listeners down there because I'd love to have a chat to you and talk about your gardening and and obviously show you this new product that I'm getting involved in. So uh, please come and see me at Garden World. And don't forget next weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the big gardening show down at the showgrounds. Hopefully we'll see a lot of you down there. I'll be down there for that, certainly. Okay. It's time we went. We will be back again next week, of course, at 7.30. Until then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.